Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Inside the junk hole. Oh, my goodness. Well, sometimes that is better. It just tastes so damn good. Stargirl. Wolfman's got Nars. Killer Mommy. <laughs> Here's Johnny. Thou art the one. What? Star Child. What the hell did we just watch? The All American Spook Show Podcast. Once again, to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. As always, I'm Josh, and I'm joined here with my friend Will. Hey, My friend Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. Hey. And today we're going to be uh, going a little bit more current, like we haven't done as many current movies uh, lately. Well, I guess we just did uh, that episode of uh, Into the Dark that we all enjoyed so much. Crawlers. But... uh, (laughs) <laughs> we we, we kind of bounce back and forth between like older and newer movies, and, and it's been a little while since we you know got more current. So we're going back to twenty in the wayback machine to twenty nineteen, and we're going to be continuing our adventures in the Conjuring universe with the Curse of La Llorona, which has always been kind of somewhat of a punchline, you know, throughout the basically since the movie came out and Smoke told us that what the connection was to the Conjuring universe and Father Perez. It, pretty much if you put that dude that plays Father Perez in any movie, then it becomes a Conjuring movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're going we're gonna to dive into that. And, and this is actually the sixth Conjuring universe film, which if memory serves me correctly, I didn't do a lot of research on this, but like I, I did see one thing that said that this movie was basically not kind of officially announced as a Conjuring Universe movie until like right before it came out. It was like that March finally I guess somebody said yeah yeah this connects to the Conjuring Universe you know and then it came out uh, April 19th like Easter weekend 2019 that's when it came out. So you know it only it only had like a few weeks I guess of kind of like building up to the fact that you know by the way this is a Conjuring movie you know so I'm sure that helps sell a few extra tickets. You know, once they kind of slap that label on there. And, and 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 like I said, I didn't do any research on it, but it wouldn't surprise me if they just went in and added this dude in just to, <laughs> just to have that connection, you know. <laughs> because it seems like I did see it at one point, too. It was called something completely different. When they were originally writing this, it was going to be called The Children. And then apparently it was uh, a little while later they renamed it The Curse of La Llorona and then eventually, you know, made the, uh, the connection to The Conjuring and everything. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if, like... This had nothing to do with the Conjuring, and then just because of a lot, some of the people that were involved, like, hey, let's just let's just connect this shit to the <laughs> to the Conjuring <laughs> universe, you know? <laughs> and cash cow. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it was, man. I, and like we've done, mm. I'm not gonna do that in this episode because we've done that a couple of times when we've talked about these Conjuring movies about how how uh, much of a box office uh, 
smash these things have been. You know, almost every one of them's like well north of two two fifty million, you know, two hundred fifty million up. You know, like uh, some of the highest grossing horror films of all time in these. Con- and I, and I think that franchise period is one of, if not the. Outside of, I think, uh, what did we say in the past, like the Godzilla movies? But there's like, you know, 142 of those things. So it's, like <laughs> it's almost unfair to compare. But yeah, just in the, uh, this is the sixth Conjuring movie. And I think there, there yeah, there has been seven because we got one more to watch. And Annabelle comes home sometime between now and June, at the beginning of June, because that's when the third Conjuring movie comes out. The Devil Made Me Do It. And that will be the eighth. Conjuring movie, you know, of, of any type of connection. This will be the eighth movie of this uh, line of film, so I'm definitely looking forward to that, you know, and we'll see how everybody feels about this one here here in a little bit, but I guess before we go any uh, deeper into it, I'll go ahead and throw out the usual information. You can contact us or email us any questions or comments or whatever um, to allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at AA Spook Show. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube by searching All American Spook Show. You should be able to find us pretty easily there. We have a T Public page um, where we sell the logoed merchandise. And uh, like we said, we've got some uh, some new designs up on there for you to go check out. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash AA Spook Show. Um, you, can, you can go on there and uh, you know sign up for the monthly subscription. And we're going to be having some bonus content thrown up on there, you know, such as like some bonus episodes on some different random things and uh, some bonus videos and stuff, you know, for the different tiers that we have there. So some of that stuff's going to be going up pretty soon if you want to go check that out. All right, so with all that out of the way, Will, uh, you weren't on the last episode where we got to sit down and talk about April Fool's Day. So this is your chance now. Um, I guess before we get into your star rating or whatever, what were your thoughts on it? Did you have anything to point out? Uh, nothing major to point out. I mean, I, I thought the movie was a pretty decent flick. Uh uh, it's definitely worth watching. Uh, I think if if they would go through and remake this movie, I think that would be amazing. Uh, I think if they would actually have a twist at the end, uh, you know, like where it's not all jokes, I think that adds uh, a bit of levity to the movie. But like overall, I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty decent flick. Yeah, we all talked about that on the on the last show about how like. I think it would have changed for all of us if the movie had had an ending that had, you know, like say like the girl slashes her throat. If that was real, yeah, exactly. If that was yeah. real, that would have changed the like It probably would have went up like a full star for uh, just about all of us. If that had actually happened, you know, <laughs> instead you got, yeah, look- yeah, I mean, ultimately, ultimately like her reaction means nothing, you know, like, uh, she gets her throat slashed. She she makes a reaction, but what for? Because nothing's wrong with her. Yeah, <laughs> she's just along for the gag, and then she realizes, oh wait a minute, this was a gag. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. Oh no, I'm not. <laughs> I guess maybe you could play it off as like, well, there was the shock of somebody sneaking up on you and uh, even pretending to slash your throat. You know, putting some hard pressure on your throat and some blood gushing out, there probably would be that moment of holy shit. Oh, wait a minute, you know. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, yeah, I, I think we were all kind of uh, at the same. Like, yeah, like whatever we gave it, you know, uh, it would have been a, a slightly higher rating had there actually been a murder. Because uh, once again, we discussed that there were no actual deaths in this entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, which would have made my life uh, really easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well. It, <laughs> yeah, if you had been there, yeah, and I, and we mentioned that in the episode as well. Like, if you'd have been there, like, you know, well, the 
there really was no reason this this particular week because you know blah blah blah. But um, <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I think ultimately with my uh, with my rating, I mean, I think I think if there would have been a a, a kill right there at the very end, I'd say like another point, if not another like point and like a quarter would have been added to my rating. I think ultimately I'm going to probably give it like two and a quarter though. Yeah, I think that's pretty much on par with, uh, I don't have it in front of me here, what we all gave it, but I think that's pretty much on par with what we all had, you know, our opinion on all of it. Um, but yeah, I think if, uh, if that had actually happened, it would have been, not only would it have been, uh, okay, that not only was it a slightly clever movie, but that had a messed up ending. You would have probably actually wanted to see more out of this, you know, like, (laughs) That might have led yeah. to an April Fool's Day too. That you know, like now I'm intrigued. You know, let, let's learn more about this uh, horrible character that just decided to go <laughs> uh, crazy at the very end. You know, but instead it was a, it was yet another prank, and the movie literally ended with a, a wink. So, um, so there you go. That's April Fool's Day. So I guess uh, you know, without before we get into the background or whatever, I'll go ahead and th- toss to the trailer for The Curse of La Llorona from 2019. Trisha. I'm very sorry about your loss. It's your fault! I can't even imagine how you must feel. Your children... Mincing. Mincing. ...are safe now. But have they heard her crying? Have they felt the sting of her tears? They will. And she will come for them. And there we go. So, Donnie, was this the first time you've seen this movie? Actually, no. I've seen uh, I've seen different renditions of when well, I say different renditions of it. Uh, I'm I'm familiar with the tale of uh, La Llorona. I've seen the Shutter version of uh, La Llorona. 
Um, but I, this was the second time I've uh, I've actually seen seen this one. You know, I I, I thought it was paced well. Uh, it definitely you know uh, kept my attention. Being somewhat familiar with the uh, um, just the tale of La Llorona, I mean, I it was still it was still enjoyable. You you kind of you kind of know what you're getting into, but also on the other side of that, you know, it it was a pretty predictable. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just like n- nothing was a surprise at all. And, you know, there wasn't really anything, there was nothing, nothing special about, um, you know, her look. Um, it was similar to any, you know, direct streaming, direct video horror villain. Uh, I didn't, there wasn't really anything special about it. They just kind of threw it, you know, into, uh, the conjuring, you know, by adding, um, uh, you know the priest. <laughs> it just, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's what I'm out with it. Uh, that leads to you, Will. You said this is the first time you've seen it. So, w- what were your thoughts? Uh, I was kind of left frustrated watching it. It seemed like it would throw out like uh, what would seem to be almost like a rule for say this antagonist, and and then it just it wouldn't follow its own rules. Like that they, they would say it would follow the person, not the house, but everything they did was to the house. What other you know, just stuff, stuff like that though. I mean, you know, like I'm sure we'll go into it a little bit more, but like right towards the, the, the beginning of the movie, when, when they find the two kids, you know, uh, that have been drowned, the, the one kid gets out, sees the kids, turns around, there's the weeping woman behind him. She comes at him from, one angle then hits the shadows and then comes at it from a completely different angle <laughs> that's just the supernatural so, so effect means, man <laughs> I, I hear you i hear you but that goes back to the house why couldn't she just do that to the house oh you shut the door i'll come out of this shadow in the house <laughs> well i guess that's all we got to say about this movie on the next episode we're gonna be <laughs> <laughs> no no I mean, it just seems like they would want to follow you know they want to set rules for like you know each person you know like like each villain and it, it just, to me it didn't make sense it uh, you can you can say it as, as simply as like if you're going rule rule number one or rule 101 is don't break your own rules right so <laughs> if you're going to set exactly. parameters you know don't don't shit the bed like right out the gate yeah, that's a good point so, storytelling 101 right um <laughs> Professor, what do you what do you think? Is, is, this this is not the first time you watched it, right? Uh, no, this is uh, the first first time I watched it was I saw it in the theater when it first came out, and uh, my immediate reaction, I guess, after that was, I hope I don't ever have to watch this movie again. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> well, look, th- this came out in uh, April April nineteenth, twenty nineteen. We were doing the spook show when you went and saw this, so you had to know that this was coming for you again at some point. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, yeah, that's true. I mean, I knew, yeah, I knew down the road I was gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> and that, and that was thinking too. This time around, like I said, I haven't seen it since that time in the theater. I was thinking maybe, maybe I'm too harsh on it. You know, maybe with a little bit of time between, I'll have some kind of an appreciation for it the second time around. We'll get into that once we get into it. <laughs> once we get into plenty of play of uh, that. But yeah, it's kind of been an ongoing thing, I guess. All right, with. Anytime we mention or do a Cadre movie, uh, I bring up about La Llorona and it's a tenuous uh, link to the rest of the Conjuring universe. And uh, also the fact that, like Donnie was saying, I'm, kind of, I'm pretty familiar with the, the folklore of 
New Mexican folklore of La Llorona or, or the actual translation being the weeping woman or the crying woman, what La Llorona means. And uh, there's been a few movies done before that are, I've only seen one other La Llorona movie before this one, and it goes back to 1961, I think it's Curse of the Crying Woman. And that movie was, and that movie's worth you know, seeking out and watching. It's not a masterpiece, but it's way better than this one, and it plays, you know, messes with the folklore a lot better than this one does. And, uh, hell, the first Mexican horror movie ever made was a 1933 movie called La Llorona. So, so it's got some, there's, there's been plenty of movies made about it. Well, maybe not plenty, but at least a handful of movies made about it this folklore before this being the worst one i've seen (laughs) (laughs) yeah now there was another film that i think it uh actually came out the same year as this um uh, it was a guatemalan film called la llorona that i actually i actually watched because i think i could be mistaken but i think as we record this i think it's on shutter could be wrong uh you know maybe one of y'all can check me on it somebody said that was i've heard somebody say that was a good one too yeah that (laughs) that's a way that's a way better movie than this yeah, for sure, but they they tell the same story in a different way though. They approach mm-hmm. it from a far different direction than than this or even like you know the the folklore or whatever. You know, it's a, it's a different take on it. But yeah. yeah, that one's that one's really good. I, I would definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, myself. Um, yeah, I, I think this is kind of is what it is. You know, in, in a lot of ways, it's just another one uh, in the Conjuring universe. You know, um, and that's not to necessarily shit on the other Conjuring movies because I enjoy. For the most part, I've I've enjoyed watching all these, oh, yeah. you know, over again, throughout. But this is definitely out of the because uh, I still have not watched Annabelle Comes Home, and like I said, we're, we're going to be doing that pretty soon. Hopefully between now and June, you know, that that way we can be set up and ready to go for the um, the Devil Made Me Do It when that comes out in June. But um, other than that, I've seen all the rest, you know, and most of them a couple times now. And this is by far the uh, the lowest of those films yeah. you know, in my opinion um not to say that it's necessarily in my opinion bad it's just it feels like it's something you've seen before i think one of you guys kind of said the same thing right like you've you've kind of uh you've you've been down this tail before in a lot of ways you know and it, and it doesn't stand out so much that like oh man i'd like to see that again one day you know like <laughs> i'm probably not, <laughs> yeah. i'm probably not gonna go seek this out you know like unless i'm just uh doing another run of the conjuring movies or something you know and, and the completionist then you you know uh, kicks in and you have to watch all these movies but yeah it's on tbs with a laugh track yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe they decide to do a mystery science theater 3000 version of this <laughs> yeah then i'm watching it again until or more more appropriately because mst3k usually doesn't do that kind of thing but the uh the spinoff riff tracks where you know they basically just record a uh their commentary and you put it over your own DVD copy of it. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if that doesn't already exist. Right. And if not, I'm sure they got to get around to it, you know, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, probably not going to seek it out, but, um, but we'll, you know, we'll get to our star ratings. I mean, I think you kind of get a sense of where we're probably going to go with it, but Hey, you never know. All right. So as far as the background information, like I said, it was released April 19th, 2019 by new line cinema, also atomic monster productions and Emil Gladstone Productions, and it was distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. And like I also already said, this is the sixth film of the Conjuring universe. It was rated R. The total runtime is one hour and 33 minutes, and on IMDb it's listed as a horror-slash-mystery-slash-thriller. Over on IMDb it got 5.3 out of 10 stars. That's the, uh, you know, the, the community ranking there. 
On Rotten Tomatoes, though, not not quite as uh, friendly. It got a 28% on the tomato meter, which if you know anything about their scale, that's not good. I think it was 100% is like creme de la creme, right? So 0 to 100%, it got 28%. <laughs> that's gracious. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's definitely, uh, well, it's not as gracious as IMDb, but then again, you know, I'm, I'm sure the, uh, the people ranking shit over there, you know, are a little bit more... Um, informed on their uh their rankings or whatever but the audience score on uh rotten tomatoes had 36 percent, so not a little better but not much better than the tomato meter um but still definitely not as good as imdb so i don't know what's going on over there it was filmed in los angeles so i'm assuming it was probably filmed in some studios there in uh in hollywood um i never could peg down a specific location or anything like that so i'm sure it's just in studios and stuff in la uh, and it wrapped production in November of 2017. So this thing was actually in post-production for well over a year. Hell, damn near a year and a half, right? Like, if principal photography wrapped in November of 2017, and it didn't come out until April 19, 2019. Um, that's uh, damn near a year and a half in post-production. So that, that means there's probably a different version of this movie that was even worse than what we just saw. <laughs> 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 and they needed to go back and fix some shit. Um, and then we still got this. But it was done for a budget of $9 million, which, you know, that's that's a pretty low budget for, you know, I, I, I thought as far, I mean, say what you will for the movie itself and the story and everything. I mean, I think a lot of it, it was shot well enough and looked well enough, right? Like you said, uh, Donnie, I think you said that her look wasn't all that special, but it didn't look horrible, right? You know, I mean, it, I think the effects and everything were pretty good. And those opening credits, man, how about... <laughs> <laughs> and the best thing about the, my two favorite things about this movie happened at the beginning or close to the beginning one is Curtis Mayfield's Superfly opens it for no reason right. except the <laughs> year and number two one of her kids is watching Scooby-Doo on that nice little piece of you know furniture TV old school wooden furniture TV yeah the little floor model that's my favorite part of the movie yeah. <laughs> but like I said earlier, it opened on Easter weekend in 2019, which is kind of weird for a movie like this to open up over Easter weekend. But um, I, I guess they tried to take advantage of the box office, you know, the holiday box. Um, but it made that first weekend, it made twenty six point three million dollars. So clearly it was like probably that conjuring effect, I w in my opinion, more than likely. Right. Like, hey, it's a, a you know, people kind of got wind by then. Probably hey, it's another one of those conjuring movies because it had to have like fucking dove straight into the ground after that because it made 26.3 million in its opening weekend and it only grossed total and domestically here in the u.s 54.7 million so it made over half of it in opening weekend internationally it made 68.4 million for a grand total worldwide of 123.1 million so not a flop by any measure you know definitely made their money back and then some for sure but no, nowhere near, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not going down the comparison. If you want to hear the comparisons to, to the other Conjuring movies, go back in the archives and listen to a, a couple of those Conjuring episodes, and you'll hear a lot of those numbers. But I'm pretty sure by far this is the lowest of all the Conjuring, you know, connected movies. Um, like we often do when we have it, we'll go down the top 10 um, the weekend that it opened, you know, the weekend of April 19th, 2019. Number 10 that weekend and its second week, Hellboy, the the remake of Hellboy, which I still have yet to see because so many people shit on it. No. I still haven't sat down and watched it, so I, I can't tell you whether I like that one or not, but although public opinion isn't very good, so I'm, you know, <laughs> we'll see one day. Number nine, Missing Link, which I think, you know, without looking at it, I think that was an animated movie. 
number eight. You're right. Yeah, number eight in its fifth week, Us. Um, it made just a little over four million that weekend, but in its fifth week, it had already made a hundred and seventy point three million. So that one clearly was a successful horror movie, and and it was a somewhat of a busy time for horror period at that time because not only was Us out, but uh, the remake of Pet Cemetery was in its third week that weekend too at number seven. Um, and it made almost five million that weekend, and it had totaled uh, about forty nine and a half million up to that point. Number six, Dumbo. In its fourth week, number five, Little, which I have no idea what that movie is, but it was in its second week and was doing pretty good. I'm just not recollecting Little at this moment. Number four, Captain Marvel. It was in its seventh week. Um, it made just over $9 million that particular week, but as of that point, it had, it had just cracked $400 million in the box office. <laughs> Wait, what, what week is that in? That was in its seventh week? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, April 19th, that was in its seventh week, Captain Marvel, yep. It's all the way out in its seventh week, and it made the entire budget of... Yeah. <laughs> of <a laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> number three, Breakthrough, which was in its first week. Uh, number two, Shazam, the, you know, the DCEU, one of the DCEU movies. It was in its third week and made uh, about $16.4 million, and it, at that point it had $120.4 million, so doing pretty good. But number one, that weekend in the box office, The Curse of La Llorona. It made twenty six point three million opening weekend, and you know that was. Uh, I think they kind of uh, add in. Well, no, it's the same at total gross right there. I think it jumps up a couple million if you looked at like the whole Easter weekend numbers. You know, adding on that extra day, I think it went up like twenty eight points. You know, point or I'm sorry, twenty eight point something million. You know, a couple million more. But yeah, either way, so uh, it started off strong that first week, and then it just. Uh, Fell to oblivion there afterwards. But, yeah, I mean, I think overall, pretty successful, you know, as far as money-wise. Critically, not so much, but money-wise, you know, probably well enough for, I, I, them, for them to do this again, right, <laughs> eventually one day. Yeah. And I didn't read into it, but I think you said, Josh, that you said they had to take it back and alter it some before before they released it finally, right? Well, I'm just kind of guessing. There's probably, a, a, I think it's a good educated guess that they probably did. Like I said, it was in post-production for damn near a year and a half. So they had to have done something to this thing. I'm wondering, I mean, I don't know, it's just speculation because I, didn't, I haven't read into this part yet or I don't know if that information is out there. That I wonder if that's when they decided to add more of the Conjuring Link to it. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> they thought that it was going to flop because, hey, this movie's not all that great. We need to link it to the Conjuring. Maybe we can make some of the bank back, you know, from by doing that. I don't know if that's what happened or not. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at, at all. I'm telling you, like, because it, because if you think about the way the movie plays out, it does kind of feel shoehorned in with Father Perez, right? Like, oh yeah, definitely. It's just like, I mean, hey, all of a sudden it is Father Perez. Barely there. He doesn't even help him. You know, he's just like, I mean, kind of helps. Him. He's like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's this guy over here. I know. Yeah, go to this dude. And you know, they throw in the link of like the Annabelle doll for a half a second. Yep. <laughs> and then that's it. That's all you get from the Conjuring. I think you basically see the guy in two scenes, right? Like when you see him outside the church, and that guy's that other guy, Raphael's out there doing like his little ritual with another group of people, right? That's when he talks to Anna, the main, you know, the main character. And then I think you see her later later on when, or him later on when she comes to him for help. And then that's when they make the. Uh, you know, there was a leak to the doll. He mentioned yeah. the doll. Even though he mentioned the name Annabelle, it's like, yeah, there was this case with a doll. With a, and then they showed the Annabelle doll for like that when he's talking about it, and that's it. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, I, I must be wrong. 
um, because of the timeline of things, this takes place timeline-wise in the Conjuring universe a few years after Annabelle. Like, I think the Annabelle was like in in the mid '60s, mid to late '60s, right? And this takes place in 1973, correct? Um, well, judging by, like I said, that Curtis Mayfield Superfly song, that's what I would guess. Because that's, I mean, you know, if they're going by, if they're using that to date the. Well, I think that, they. I think it straight up says that, like you know. Um, yeah, they throw the year on. The, yeah, yeah, they did. Los yeah. Angeles, nineteen seventy-three. I think when it's when you hear the song, but like, my point, my point, bringing it up is like, am I remembering Annabelle wrong? Did he not die, or am I just remembering it wrong? <laughs> like, I know it's been a little while since we watched it. <laughs> I know. I, well, the thing about the Conjuring in the movies is that they flip flop all over the place as far as you know. One's a prequel to the prequel to the prequel, or a sequel to this sequel, or yeah. So it gets convoluted, <laughs> and I get where. Without watching them or without reading about the timeline again, just thinking about it, it you know, it confuses it confuses me as far as the, the time period for each individual movie without looking at it. Maybe I need to go back and listen to our own archives because we <laughs> we talked about this movie <laughs> way back in episode twelve, so it's been a while for sure. That was back in June of twenty nineteen when we talked about Annabelle. So maybe I need to go back and listen to that and see, you know or. Because uh, I really don't feel like going back and watching Annabelle right now <laughs> to, fi- <laughs> to figure out what happened to him. But I could have swore the dude died. May- obviously so I looked wrong. it up real quick. Uh, Annabelle was set in 1967, and Father Perez played a major role in helping the Central family fight the demon doll. Although his body was taken over, he never died on screen. Okay, so there you go. So there's their there's their window of bringing him back. Because I, I do remember, like, uh, uh, him, like, some there was some noise at the door. I remember that scene in Annabelle. And then she opens the door, and he's standing there, and he looks, like, all zombied. You know, like, you know, he he didn't look normal, right? <laughs> I just remember that. So that's why I guess maybe I kind of remembered it, like, you know, that he was dead. But maybe he was just, like you said, possessed or something. Or, uh, or maybe it just could have been some fucked up Annabelle illusion or something, and, you know, and then... You go from there. I guess it can be easily explained away, but I could have swore the dude died when I'm sitting there just thinking about it as I was watching the movie. I'm like, wait a minute. But, <laughs> but I knew timeline-wise it made sense, you know, because this was a little, you know, 1973, so I knew this was after Annabelle. So um, you don't want to give them too much credit for getting all that kind of shit right, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're not that clever, are they? But th- this movie was uh, produced by let's see some of the names that that have connection the major connections here are James Wan like he's he's the major connection because he's been this is basically the conjuring universe is basically his baby right uh he directed well I think the first two conjuring movies and uh has produced pretty much every one of these um ever since um they you know this became a thing after the first couple um Gary Dauberman was a producer and Emil Gladstone, now, Gary Dauberman, he, he's another one of those names that we've brought up because he has directed uh, a few of these, wrote and, uh, well, at least wrote for sure. Um, yeah, he directed Annabelle Comes Home. That's what he directed. But he wrote just about every damn one of these and, and or, or had some hand in it in one form or another. Yeah. Because he was the writer of Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, um, The Nun, Annabelle Comes Home. Um, and he I'm sorry. Also, I'm sorry. You mean the nun? <laughs> and that's another thing too. Like this movie had a lot of like similarities to the nun, right? With the way she would kind of stand down the hallway and just 
her general look with the with the veil and all that. Talking about uh, La Llorona yeah. herself, like dump chairs coming out of left field kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the misdirected camera over here, you know, and then the jump scare comes over there, or whatever. Yeah, like <laughs> what's that over on the right? Quick to the left, there she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same same shit, except uh, less scary. <laughs> not that the not yeah. that the nun yeah. was like really all that scary, yeah. but she had a creepy look, right? Oh, uh, yeah, and the setting. I really love the thing I love about the nun is the setting of. Even though the, the time period is whatever year it was, what, 60s, 50s, whatever, whatever the time period was, it looked like it was could have been medieval Europe. Yeah. Because they're out in the woods, the, the castle-type uh, convent or whatever. Yeah, and they actually, like, shot that, that like, parts of that, like, in Transylvania or some shit, right? Like, they actually, like, nailed the aesthetic for sure in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that one was supposed to be, most of that movie was in the 50s. You know, until the connections come back around later on. But it was directed by Michael Chavis. I think that's how you say his name. C-H-A-V-E-S. We'll go with that. Michael Chavis. Um, he's also known for being the director of The Maiden. Um, movie called Chase Champion. Regan. Um, he's got nine directing credits. Hey, hold on for a second. All right. I'm not looking at the name right now. Is it not Chavez? Could be. Like I said, I C-H-A-V-E-S. I mean, it could, I could see it either way. I'm not really sure what is uh, origin. I, I, or... think, I think I'd watch like a uh, like a behind-the-scenes thing. I want to say the guy's last name is Chavez. See, I mean, as far as like he is concerned, th- this is probably the, the main thing, right? Like, I haven't seen um, any of these other things that he's done. And he actually uh, looks like he directed uh, a Billie Eilish video randomly around the same time that this came out, I guess. Um, and he, apparently he is also the director of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So we'll see what his influence is going to be on the next Conjuring movie when we see that in June, because he's the director of that. So I I guess maybe this got him the gig. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why they would like give it to him after this, but you know. (laughs) Like I said, it's not, it's not even. In all honesty, I mean, it's not, it's not that it's a badly made movie. Yeah. Writing it. The story, yeah, yeah, and, and maybe we can uh, blame that more on the uh, on the other folks that, uh, yeah. you know, such as N- Mickey Daughtry and Tobias Iaconis. Those are the ones that <laughs> those are the ones that wrote this movie. So maybe that's where the blame lies. I'm not sure. It's their fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's definitely a bad movie, though. Yeah. So. Mickey Daughtry hasn't wrote much. Like, she uh, was a writer on this. And five feet apart, and just a couple other things. That's it, pretty much. Um, Tobias Iaconis, which I'm assuming that's how you spell his name, uh, about the same, really. And apparently they're writing partners because they wrote this and Five Feet Apart together. Uh, yeah, they, they must, you know, they're either married or they just, they're writing partners because they've pretty much all worked on the same thing. This would definitely be their biggest uh, achievement, so to speak. All right, so I guess we'll go from there. We'll go into the cast. Uh, it stars Linda Cardellini as Anna. She's the uh, the mother of the of the family that's uh, you know being terrorized by the curse of La Llorona in this movie. Um, she would mostly be known for uh, Scooby Doo, you know the the live action Scooby Doo movie from two thousand two. She was Velma. Um, yep. She was in Brokeback Mountain. She was in Avengers: Age of Ultron. <laughs> I, 
I left that hanging out there to see if anybody was going to say anything. <laughs> I was about no, to no. say, I was waiting on the <laughs> jokes, man. No, no, I got no jokes. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain? No, nah, it, it, it was a movie. That's all I'm going to say. It was a movie. Uh, <laughs> she was in Avengers Age of Ultron. She played uh, Laura Barton, which was uh, Hawkeye's wife, if I'm not mistaken, if memory serves me, um, in, in the movie. Um, she's got 66 credits on IMDb that go all the way back to 1996. She was in a TV series called Bone Chillers. Um, she's been in a number of things. She was in that Good Burger movie from 1997. <laughs> I think another thing that she would stick out from was that uh, that show that's kind of like got a cult following because it, it wasn't very long. It's very brief, but it had a, a crazy cast of like people that went on to do bigger things. Uh, that show Freaks and Geeks, she was part of that. Yeah. Legally Blonde, uh, you know, the um, Reese Witherspoon movie from 2001. She had a number of big roles after that, including Grandma's Boy, one of my personal favorites. <laughs> that movie is, uh, it's got at least one really uh, hilarious scene in that movie, if you go back and watch it. That movie, uh, Super, which was uh, uh, James Gunn, you know, the the movie with Rain Wilson, that like the, the guy that has supposedly has superpowers or whatever. She's in that movie. Um, so a, a lot of connections. Okay. The super. I was, I was thinking the super with Joe Pesci from back in a little bit further back. <laughs> no, uh, no, <laughs> no. I don't think so. She would have been ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah, whatever the math is. Um, <laughs> Roman Christow as Chris, and Janie Lynn Kinchin as Samantha. Those are uh, Linda Cardellini, Anna. Those are her kids in the movie. Raymond Cruz as Raphael. He's the guy that kind of comes in a little bit later on to help the family like he's basically like a former priest or something right like, that's another one of those formulaic type things you get a lot in these movies like there's always some dude around that like uh is a former member of the church or something like that you know the church won't help you but they always got some some pastor some pastor rambo hanging out in the shadows to come you know <laughs> to come save the day because the church won't fucking help you but he's got 90 credits on imdb uh he would be known from alien resurrection he was in Training Day, you know, the, uh, what's his name? Denzel, Denzel Washington. Yeah, yeah, God, I blanked on his name, Jesus Christ. Denzel Washington movie. He was in the Steven Seagal classic, Under Siege. Mainly been like a, um, uh, just sort of like a supporting actor. Uh, or in basically like character roles. Yeah. Including an episode of Cagney and Lacey. In 1988. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's what we all remember him from, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, he was actually even in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares back in uh, 1990. Uh, <laughs> that was, once again, that was another one of those uh, anthology shows, right? Yeah. Well, the, oh, you mean Freddy's Nightmares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those that, like, Robert Engel would do a wraparound segment, and then he wouldn't be in the whole show, though, really. Except for the first episode, which was pretty interesting. The first episode, not now going off on a tangent, but the first episode of that is, like, the origin story of Freddy, of how the, you know, how the townspeople chased him down and burned him up and everything. And after that, it was just some wraparound segments at the beginning and the end of the show with Robert Englund and, and then, yeah, an anthology of whatever was going on in that episode. Not linked necessarily to Freddy. Even. La Llorona herself was played by Marisol Ramirez. She would mostly be known for the 2015 movie Circle, a movie called Right at Your Door, uh, back in 03, The District. Uh, she's got 28 acting credits on IMDb that date back to 2002 when she was in an episode of The Shield. Uh, another actress, you know, where she's been in a ton of, like, uh, television shows throughout the, uh, you know, since 2002. 
and a number of random movies and stuff. Patricia Alvarez. Now she's the one that like basically her kids are the ones that uh, uh, La Llorona kills towards the beginning of the movie. So she kind of basically curses this family for that happening, um, which you know we'll we'll get more into the plot here shortly. But that's what her role is. She was uh, in a couple of the Mummy movies. Uh, the first, yeah, but I remember both from the yeah, Mummy movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the first uh, two, I think, the Mummy and the Mummy Returns. I think that's the first two. I don't remember the order of them, but it sounds about right. She was also in some episodes of Arrested Development back in 03 and 04. So it was around, you know, a little after uh, her roles in the Mummy movies. She's got 35 acting credits on IMDb that date back to 19, all the way back to 1992. She was in a Red Hot Chili Peppers video uh, that this, <laughs> for the for the song "Breaking the Girl." Um, she was in that as woman. That's <laughs> 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 um, credit a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, Tony Amendola as Father Perez. Literally the only connection to the Conjuring universe. But the dude has been in a ton of stuff. He has 134 acting credits, uh, according to IMDb, that date all the way back to 1984. He was in an episode of a show called Partners in Crime. Like we said, he was in uh, the first Annabelle movie. That was the connection to this. I don't think he popped up in any others, like, you know, without looking through his entire uh, filmography. I think that was the only time we've seen him, right? The first Annabelle movie? I think that's, I guess that's the only other one he was in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's all that I was, uh, I was able to locate. Yeah. Um, he also had a role in the mask of Zorro from 1998. Uh, some episodes of Stargate SG one, um, Lone Star. Uh, like I said, just tons of TV shows, TV movies, you know, films and everything over the last, uh, a few dec- you know, a couple decades. But he's also done some, um, uh, voice work for uh, video games like Final Fantasy, uh, World of Warcraft, um, some other things. Was there anything else you guys wanted to mention before we uh, before we get into the movie itself? Uh, well, I thought this one was kind of funny. Uh, apparently, a theater in Montreal was supposed to be playing Pokemon Detective <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> but after the trailers, and this has probably been the hint that this wasn't the right movie, Annabelle Comes Home, Joker, and Child's Play, this movie played instead, <laughs> causing children in the audience to run out crying. Oh, I, bet. I love that. I read that, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> I just like, fuck yeah. Yeah, like you said, that, that lineup of trailers should have been the cue. Like, somebody needed to go out and say something. Like, hey, what the what the hell? You know, like, <laughs> at least after the third one, you should have been like, this shouldn't be playing in front of Pokemon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a scary doll. Okay, Pika Pika. No, no. Okay, all right, all right. Here's a here's a crazy guy killing people. All right. Yeah. It seems it's, like it's uh, yeah. like the Frank Miller version of Pokemon or something. <laughs> yeah. Frank Frank Miller's Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems like that's not the first time we've you've uh, one of us has pulled that exact same little tidbit on a movie like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some random, uh, you know, movie theater in Albuquerque, you know, <laughs> was supposed to be playing Aladdin, but it, as it turns out, you know, you're, it's a, uh, 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 terror. Debbie was it ter- yeah, no, uh, I'm, I always get terrified and terrifier mixed up. It's terrifier, right, with the one with Art the Clown. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> instead, it's fucking terrifier with Art the Clown, you know, instead of Aladdin or some shit. 
Um, you'd be in for a rude awakening real quick on that one. For sure. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The management of this drive-in theater is happy to announce you can enjoy your favorite form of movie entertainment regardless of rain. No longer will it be necessary to let rain spoil your fun. Now you can keep your windshield clear and dry with a drizzle guard. Simply attach it to your windshield, and in a jiffy, you're enjoying the movie without constantly running your windshield wipers. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, we've explained it a number of times. You know, basically, you sign up using uh, our link, audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Um, you get a credit, you know, with your free trial, you can use that credit to get a free audio book. And if you decide like, you know, I can't afford it, you know, uh, this isn't for me right now, you can cancel it. You get to keep that one free audio book. So like we said before, it helps us, you know, helps you out by giving you a free book. Win-win. Um, since we're on the topic of, uh, old La Llorona, I decided to <laughs> look that in on Audible to see what would pop up. And I found La Llorona novella, The Weeping Woman. Texto Completo by, <laughs> by Marcella Serrano. Uh, that one's almost four hours long, uh, narrated by Andriana, Adriana Sananis. So uh, act, that's actually in Spanish, apparently, uh, language Spanish. So um, unless you speak Spanish, you may not want to listen to that. Uh, Warriors, Witches, Women, Mythology's Fiercest Females by Kate Hodges. Um, also narrated by her. That one's just over six hours long. And let's see, uh, one more here. A Different Dawn, Nina Guerrera, book two by Isabella Maladon. Oh, God almighty. Uh, <laughs> taking a shit over yes. her name. Uh. <laughs> Isabella Maldonado. Uh, you, you know, I, I've, I've watched a lot of baseball and collected baseball cards enough in my life where I should be able to roll these names off, right? You know, <laughs> But no. Uh, yeah, that's the only reason I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Just to hear you fuck up the names. Yep. Yep. Um, that one's exactly 10 hours long. Um, so that's just a few examples. I mean, I'm sure you could find some other stuff, uh, if you, you know, search by different parameters or whatever. I just typed in Lyrona to see what will pop up. Um, so anyways, yeah, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. All right, so with the old paid advertising out of the way, um, I guess we'll go ahead and dive into the film itself. So, um... It starts off in Mexico in the year 1673. So this is literally what uh, 300 years before the you know the main story is set. And uh, this was it was kind of a weird scene, right? Because it didn't really explain anything like as to what the hell is going on, right? Like you got like this mother and what two kids, and it looked like a father was there, right? Or if I, am yeah. I just misremembering, right? It looks like a family, you know, family of four. They're out in like this, uh, you know field of wheat or sunflowers or whatever the hell, you know, <laughs> and they're just having like, it looks like they're having a picnic day or some fun day out. And they're like, you know, doing the ring around the rosy shit, you know, dancing and stuff. All of a sudden it's like you blink and one of the boys is standing there by himself and he doesn't know where, where anyone went. He runs out into the woods and then he sees his mother drowning his brother, like in a, a in a Creek. And, uh, then she grabs a hold of him. Like, I think he even says mama or something like that. Right. And she grabs a hold of him, and then that's when you see the title, The Curse of La Llorona. It left you with more questions than answers. Not that, you know, you need to answer yeah. everything at the beginning of a film, but just, like, 
they never answered anything, right? <laughs> as far as no, no, no. I mean, this is this is this is the foundation of what the entire movie is based off of. I think you need to nail down everything right there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's kind of the way I was reading it. But go into like as as if everybody out in the world has knowledge of the folklore already. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they just assume too much. Yeah, like like yeah. this scene, it jumps. Like I think I think what it ultimately is is. It shows them as a happy family, and then time passes because, you know, according to the to the curse, you know, like he finds a younger wife and she gets obsessed, you know, and then or you know, loses her mind and kills their kids. So I think it's supposed to be showing them happy, and then her and lost her mind, like you know, months, years, whatever later. But the way it's edited, it's it's very it's thirty confusing. seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you try to tell a, a, a deeper story way too fast, and you left out a lot of details there. It, it's like it was a jump cut. Like It's like five minutes just elapsed, and I just missed it. Like, did I black out at the beginning of this movie? What the hell just happened? You know, <laughs> all of a sudden you blink, and then the boy's by himself, and it was just, it was it was an odd setup. So that's when you see the, the on the screen, Los Angeles, 1973, and that's when Superfly is playing, right? You're introduced to Anna, who is a, uh, a widower, uh, widower you know, single mother of two, and she's also a social worker. So, you know, this is all set up pretty early on in the film. Um, she goes to check in on a family, and the mom has locked her two kids inside of a closet. Um, she manages to get the kids out of there and take them away. Uh, meanwhile, you know, the mom, Patricia, she is uh, arrested, you know, for, for this. And so, you, But you don't know why she did this, right? You just figure at this point, like, you know, she's done lost her nut and <laughs> and uh she's just locking her kids in the closet like you know beating them or you know just abusing them in general so they arrest her and take the kids um and, and right here and this is gonna be a running theme so you'll hear this from me again later uh um okay the mom don't, doesn't want to say who she is okay why don't the kids say who the she is nobody's gonna think that they're crazy they're kids because we got a whole movie to to talk here so <laughs> i just wanted to bring Drama. that up right there oh, so yeah. in, uh, in about 20 more minutes i can bring it up again yeah <laughs> oh i totally agree <laughs> i was sitting there thinking the same thing like fuck you know like you said they're they're probably gonna listen right so here we go here's your chance and uh, i'm ambiguous for no reason <laughs> yeah they just accept their fate and go to the orphanage and uh yeah i'm, I'm sure i can guarantee what you're going to point out a little bit later on to that point um <laughs> So they, they, they take them to like this, I guess it's an orphanage or whatever the hell this is, right? It's like some, maybe it's like an orphanage or a, a halfway house kind of arrangement. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but the boys are there. You know, they can get a, a warm bed and a hot meal or whatever the hell. So she sets them up there for the night. Uh, one of the boys wakes up when he hears something, and the other boy is uh, uh, like up and walking down the hallway, and he kind of chases after him. And then uh, they they turn around, and you see... Uh, La Llorona kind of like grab, you know, like uh, leap at him, right? Anna gets a call at home that they have found the boys dead in the river. Um, which, I, this is another odd thing, right? Like, in this scenario, would they have called her to the scene? You know, like, we just found two two boys drowned. Like, would they call the social worker down to the scene? To, <laughs> I mean, unless they needed some positive identification of the bodies or something, right? Yeah, I think that's what they needed because I would I would say in real life the mom would be in jail 
which spoiler alert, she's not. Okay, uh, that's another thing, right? Not only is she like so, <laughs> she would have been arrested. Like at this point, she probably would have been arrested just for beating on the kids or locking them in the closet, right? All of a sudden, yeah, she's even like she's imprisoning them. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically so what she said. Why did they bring her to the scene? Like all of a sudden, now she's at the fucking scene, and they have this confrontation with the you know the social worker Anna and Patricia. They have this conversation. Com- uh, uh, you know this little tussle right out there. You know, with right there with the the dead the dead boys on the ground. Like, would this have happened? Like, <laughs> would they have brought the mother and the social worker to this scene in the middle of the night? And why does she? Well, I guess you know she's a single mother. She brings her kids um, with her to this. But I don't know. This the, the whole scene was just fucking weird, right? <laughs> it, yeah. How about having uh, whatever beat cop is standing around watch your watch your car? It seems like if they really <laughs> needed her to come down there, like like you just said, you would have just had some patrolman like either watch the kids at the house or watch the kids because I had to bring them with me, right? Mm-hmm. That probably would have happened, and I guarantee they would not have brought the already arrested mother to this scene unless she was just held in brief custody and somehow got out um, did this and then they found her lurking around the corner and then decided to arrest her again on the spot and then uh, all that happened meanwhile they just decided to cut that shit out of the movie and we didn't see it right (laughs) (laughs) I don't know but it was just an odd setup odd scene there the mother comes running up and she like uh, I didn't do this La Llorona did this. And everybody's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who the hell's La Llorona? Um, <laughs> so Anna's son, of course, you know, kids being kids, she, he gets out of the car. And then, of course, he goes over, like, to look at the bodies or whatever. And then here's someone crying over in the alleyway. And, of course, it's, uh, you know, the fucking La Llorona. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and he grabs <laughs> Of course, I mean, like, you, I got you expect... like, uh, la, 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 Yorona. Oh, man, I, I've been waiting on that. <laughs> oh, man. As, as one would expect, a, a La Yorona is hanging out in the alleyway of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just as the La Yoronas do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Typical old <laughs> La Yoronas hanging around just fucking with kids. It's an alley. <laughs> um uh, so it, shut up so, so she grabs a hold of uh, uh his arm and like you know burns him like marks him on his arm and he runs back to the car and then basically she's outside the car like fucking with him like trying to roll the windows down and um and uh which i, I would say this is probably one of the best scenes of the movie well it's the it's one of the better uh done scenes you yeah. know as far as the the windows yeah that's what i mean yeah, like yeah. like once they get in the car like like the the little boy in the in the in the, in the scene I thought played it really well for a kid, mm. you know like the effects were all practical you know like uh, I actually enjoyed that one small scene except for the fact yeah, that, that like was probably the only moment of tension that was built up too yep. you know for for, yeah. the, for the before the jump scares you know because the movie is just full of jump scares mainly but this is probably the most tension filled thing it's that not... works. It's not a, they don't they don't know how to do proper jump scares in this movie because not once did they use the old cat jump scare trick you know like somebody <laughs> yeah. you, you lean in then you know the, you never saw that once in this movie so they didn't do it right <laughs> now I will say also 
when the when the, the the boy jumps in the car and he's freaking out, you know, that's all well done. But like, wouldn't you wouldn't you turn to your sister and say, "Hey, this is fucked up. I just saw a ghoul out in the alleyway, <laughs> and this thing's after me." Right? No, no. He never says a word to her, and then mom gets in the car. Is everything all right? Yep. No, like, <laughs> yep, no, everything's yep. fine. <laughs> We're all good, mom. Just chilling. So, so this was the next place I was going to bring that up. Yeah. No, some bitch with like tar bleeding out of her eyes was just chasing me. <laughs> uh, Look what she did to my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right here on my arm, it's burned. I mean, like, could you help me out? No, nah, he just didn't. Hey, we're, we're at a, a crime scene where there's two dead kids. There couldn't be a connection at all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we've already seen this on one of the kids' wrists already. Yeah. They've already set this up in the first 20 minutes. Nope, we, we've never seen that. So this is where you're introduced to Father Perez. This is where you see him, and, like, he tells – he kind of tells, like, a brief uh, a brief version of the, the, the story of La Llorona, right, to uh, Anna when she's, like, kind of out – on the uh, outside of a church or whatever, and, and she sees this guy Raphael doing the uh, little ritual or whatever he's doing with the family over there. Um, I, I'm guessing that's like maybe the something to do with the boys, right? Was that like a a service for the boys or something like that? And he's he's a part of it. I'm, I'm sure it was connected to that somehow, right? The two boys that just died. So having some undefined. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Some something's going on outside, and this dude's a part of it. And obviously, you know, like this, this guy's done a, a ton of work. This right here especially took me out of the movie because how can you, if you've ever seen uh, Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, do you not think too good? <laughs> yeah, true. I forgot to mention that he was in those uh, when I was going down to his filmography. But yeah, yeah, I was instantly like, "Hey, it's that motherfucker." <laughs> so uh, Samantha. The, this is uh, Anna's little girl. She sees La Llorona in the house and then grabs a hold of her on the arm and marks her. Or no, it wasn't in the house. Where, oh, it was the pole thing, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 when, yeah when, That's like, where the, she reveals herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's when that happened. Um, then you cut back and you see Raphael, um, who's like, like I said, the former uh, member of the church who's not, you know, but still practices the uh, the exorcism type shit. He goes back to the um, Alvarez apartment and, like, collects this little, I guess it's like a little, It turn, you know, you figure out what it is a little bit later on, I guess, to an extent, but it looks like a little, just a little clump of wet hair or something, right? He kind of scoops it up and puts it in a vial. I thought Slimer had hit it. Yeah. <laughs> he, I was kind of thinking that, too. Not not the Slimer thing, but, like, I was thinking Ghostbusters when he went in there and, like, hey, he's, he's found some ectoplasm, you know, he's going to... <laughs> He's going Somebody in to get a little blows her nose and you want to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, like I said, a little bit later on, you figure out, you know, what he's doing there. Um, Anna finds Chris, her son, opening, like, in the middle of the night, she hears something and she goes and finds him. And he's, he's like, opening and closing the front door, but, like, the, the door is latched, you know, with the little uh, the chain on the top. So he can't, like, open it completely. And she it's almost like he's sleepwalking, right? And then... Uh, she grabs a hold of him, and all of a sudden, the, the door blows open and kind of blows them back. Then, this is when, like, she puts him back to bed or whatever, but then she sees La Llorona in the house. So, this is now that she, you know, now she knows something's going on now, right? Like, at this point, it's not just the, the kids being terrified. Now, she's in on it. So, then Anna goes to talk with Patricia about this, and then, basically, Patricia's like, yeah, it's La Llorona, and I sent her ass on you. <laughs> because she blames... <laughs> <laughs> she she blames her for her her kids dying because you know she was the one that took them away for not understanding what was going on. 
But, you know, when you don't try to explain the situation, this is the kind of shit that happens. <laughs> um, so, w- once again, you have another scene after that where uh, Chris is uh, in the house. And he's being terrorized by La Llorona and then falls down the steps. So then they have to do a, welf- a welfare check. So now, like, the tables have turned, right? Like, the uh, the other welfare lady is in there, like, checking on her and, like, her friend. Her. It's also, I don't think I've mentioned that, like, her husband was a policeman or a detective or something right who died which i don't think they ever really explained what happened there right like i guess he's just a cop that he's just a cop that got killed doing cop things and (laughs) and uh his 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 partner detective cooper still comes in and checks on him checks in on him and stuff you know still comes around Um, i I looked it up uh, he choked on a uh chicken wing really that's what it was yeah Hmm. yeah that's what it was it was crazy (laughs) he was on his lunch break and maybe that's why they didn't (laughs) mention it it's you know, not exciting, but the tables have turned and they do like a welfare check on, on them, you know, because he's done fell down the steps. And so now it looks suspicious. Like she, you know, she's done lost her uh, nut and now <laughs> she's trying to kill her kids or, you know, she's beating on them or whatever. So now they're keeping an eye on her. Samantha's in the tub, washing her hair like a little while after or taking a bath in the tub. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like La Llorona's hands come up behind her and start washing her hair. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, she just grabs her and starts trying to drown her in the tub. This is actually, I think, where she gets marked. No, no, no. This is where Anna gets marked when this happens because she comes in when Samantha's struggling or whatever, and then La Llorona appears and, like, uh, grabs a hold of her arm, and now Anna's marked. So now they finally decide that, all right, she grabs the kids and takes off and goes to Father Perez to get help. This is where you get the mention of Annabelle, where, like, I never believed in this mumbo-jumbo before, but a few years ago, you know... <laughs> <laughs> then you actually see Annabelle for a brief moment. Dream sequence. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically, he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to help you, but I can't help." Uh, <laughs> but I know uh, uh, Pastor Rambo over here, Raphael. He'll he'll help you out. So they go to him for help, and of course, at first, he's just like, "No, fuck off!" And then the kids are like, "Please," and he's okay. Um, so then they. They go into the house and instantly they 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 rub raw eggs all over. <laughs> they, it's like they take like you know just regular old eggs and then rub it on like different items and on the house and everything. And then they're like, it's this whole thing where like well uh, when we crack the eggs and how how bloody the the insides are like how much evil you got in your house. So of course they uh, crack the egg and it's like pure blood. And then the other eggs just start like stand up on their end and start spinning on the table. <laughs> and then one of them blows up. Buster's moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's when she's like, "Oh, that's nothing." I've like when it, when he cracks the egg and it's blood. She's like, "I, that's that's just a trick." I saw that on Carson the other night. And then then the eggs like kind of stand up and start spinning and then explode. And he's like, "Did you something like uh, did you see that on Carson or whatever the hell?" And then he says, "Tada!" Because that comes back a couple. <laughs> <laughs> that comes back a couple more times a little bit later on. So then, like, there's this little montage scene of them basically, like, setting up the house for, like, some type of ritual. Like, they're going to try to get La Llorona out of the house. So, like, they have to kind of uh, set up all the, you know, the holy water and all this stuff. And I think this is also where you see him, like, take that little gooey hair sample or whatever the hell he took out of the apartment. You see him, like, do, like, a little, you know, speak a little prayer over it or whatever and, and turns it into, what did, what did he say? It was anti-venom, right? Like, basically, it's like... yeah the anti-version yeah. of what, like, he throws it at her and it does something, right? Um, and, and again, at this point, like, like, they've already pointed out they're connected to the family, not the house. Yeah. <laughs> they, they point that out a number of times, right? Like, 
<laughs> <laughs> but they're setting it up to get it out of the house. And of course, La Llorona appears and then uh, like instantly knocks Anna out. And then Raphael sets up this little thing on the door where it's like some kind of tree or something, right? That apparently was the type of trees that were around when she did the original thing like 300 years ago. So he takes yeah. some seeds from that same type of tree and like lines them across the bottom of the doorway. So it like, I guess he basically gets her out of the house and then that little line of seeds keeps her out of the house. So like you said, like it didn't really solve anything. Like she's still standing outside or something, right? Like she's still a major threat, but she can't come into the house as long as this little line of seeds is across the doorway. All right. All right. Now, all right. She's locked outside of the door. That's awesome. We've already established in the uh, in the car scene that she can raise windows. Yeah, from the so outside. Why didn't she just raise the window? From, come back yeah, in the house? Right. <laughs> from the out nah, from the outside, that. like right, like yeah, on an yeah. old school door <laughs> that cranks the windows. This isn't electric, you know. <laughs> That's another thing too. Like they don't really lean into the supernatural as much. Like in so, in certain spots, they did like with the the doors on the car, and then there's a, a few other things, but like. They don't really, like, she seems like a powerful spirit, right? But, like, they never really yeah. play into that. It seems like there's more of a physical just, thing with it. Just dumb as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Samantha is looking for her doll, and she looks out the window, and her doll's on the front porch. So, of course, being a, a dumb little kid, she <laughs> she goes and, like, reaches out the door for the doll, and then ends up, like, breaking. Which, which why doesn't she grab her right there? Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> no, she waited until she broke the barrier and then charged into the house. La Llorona did. And then she grabs a hold of uh, Samantha and takes her. Now, if you go back to this scene, she is like three steps into the house. But when she goes flying out, she's flying out from the other side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> the geography is all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So they they look around for Samantha and they quickly find her out back in the pool. Anna fights, basically has a fight with uh, La Llorona in the pool. Meanwhile, Raphael helps by like blessing the water. So like he throws some, whatever the hell he throws in there, salt, sand, whatever the hell it was, some some shit he has, and like blesses the water and makes the whole pool like ho a pool of holy water. And that helps, uh, you know, Anna enough to get La Llorona out of there and uh, grab uh, Samantha before she drowns. And during the scuffle, she also grabs La Llorona's necklace. By the way, the lung capacity on these two women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the uh, Anna and uh, Samantha when they're in the pool? And, and, and Samantha, yeah. <laughs> so then they decide to go lock the kids in the closet. Because they, like, th this was another weird setup, right? So like, all right, we're, we need to keep you safe. So we're going to lock you in this closet. Then they go downstairs. Like, wouldn't you, if you're going to lock the kids in the closet to protect them, wouldn't you think you'd just hang out, like, right there in front of the closet at the least? Like, stay in the no. room? No. <laughs> no. So then someone sneaks into the house, which you assume is La Llorona, and grabs the kids. But as it turns out, no, it was Patricia Alvarez from earlier. She comes into the house and grabs the kids. And basically, like, no, I'm going to give the kids to La Llorona because fuck your kids. I want mine back, right? Um, Can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, isn't she again supposed to be in jail? So anyways, the next scene, uh, she... <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what? That didn't no, even, that, I didn't even no. think about that. Like, well, now, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Now they did say at some point, like, I, I think it was during the welfare check scene 
didn't Detective Cooper tell her that they had to let her go because there wasn't enough evidence to hold her? Something like something to that effect. Come to think of it, mm. I think yeah. there, I think there was. So that's how you can explain that away. But she comes in and takes the kids. Like you know, like I said, fuck your kids. I'm I'm gonna get my. She says if I give you, if I give her your kids, I can get mine back. Which I'm sure you know. Even if she did say that to her, is horseshit. But she believes it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. She, as she's grabbing the kids or whatever, like she brings them downstairs, or she's downstairs with the kids, she's got a pistol, and she shoots Raphael, like, uh, you know, in the shoulder. He goes down. Uh, then, of course, right at this moment, La Llorona comes back in and then instantly takes out Anna. So the kids are basically on their own at this point because, like, I think Patricia kind of, like, fell to the side. Anna's Anna's taken out again. Like, I think she, like, locks her down in the in the basement. And Raphael's been shot, so the kids are kind of on their own. So they run upstairs. Then they go up and hide in the attic, and they've got her necklace. Um, somehow they got <laughs> because hold they've of her. never seen Juwan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they they go up into the attic and hide, and they've got La Llorona's necklace, and they hold it out to her as she's approaching to her. So like, she actually has a moment of hesitation, like, and she kind of like looks like her normal self again for a moment, right? Then they uncover this mirror behind them and she sees her face and screams. And then right at that, that gives them basically enough time, Anna and Raphael to kind of regroup, get up there. And then pretty much as soon as she turns around, they stab her. I think Anna was the one, right? Grabs this cross that's made out of that same type of wood that, you know, that we thought we referenced a minute ago. Stabs La Llorona in the chest and basically just kind of disintegrates her, right? <laughs> pretty <laughs> Sorry, much. Choking on this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It basically just and I mean, blows I mean, up and disintegrates. Yeah, I'd say, you know, it probably, you know, like disintegrated similar to what was that, Conjuring 2? Yeah. Well, like, you know, the when nun. the shadow demon or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm forgetting what the name of it was. Remember, because they figured out what the Starts name was. L? I don't remember. But remember, the whole premise was once they figured out her name, they could just say it and then it was over. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, they. Just, <laughs> So they stab her. (laughs) Oh, shit. No. (laughs) (laughs) If only it were that easy. So anyways, yeah. So after that, like, you know, next morning, or the night is over now, right? So Raphael is like loading up his shit. And (laughs) I love this. So Raphael is loading up his shit into the cab. And then she comes up and she's like, how can I ever thank you? And my first thought was, you could give me a fucking ride. (laughs) (laughs) They made him call a cab to go back to work. Because, like, clearly they brought him there, right? <laughs> but then they're just like, nah, you can take a cab home, man. Appreciate it. Um, can, I, can I at least have some fare? I mean, <laughs> Jesus. All right, see you later, Raffy. <laughs> man, you saved our life. <laughs> uh, can I have, like, a, a five spot or anything? See you later. And then just, you know, run away. But, yeah, they make him put his shit in a cab and, like, <laughs> he leaves. And I think, you know, he says Tada again or some shit like that. Right. Maybe I think that was the when they stabbed her in the chest with the cross and then she disintegrates. I think they cuts over to him. Ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he, he leaves. And then as he leaves, the kids run into the house. And then she, uh, Anna, looks back or, like, kind of stands there for a second and then looks down at there's, like, this uh, puddle on the ground. And it kind of, you know does the pan down to it or whatever. And she's looking at her reflection in the puddle and then credits. So I, I'm assuming that the setup there was like, you're thinking that maybe you're going to see La Llorona in the, 
in the puddle, but you don't see anything there. I think a lot of these Conjuring movies have a have a, a habit of that kind of ending too, where like, you know, it looks like it's all over, but maybe not. You know, <laughs> it's like the old the end question mark kind of thing. You know, um, yeah. but there's nothing like during the credits or afterwards. Well, actually, at the very end of the credits, you hear the weeping sound. At the very end, if you watch all the way to the end, um, you hear the weeping for like a brief. No, no, that actually end. wasn't there. That was you. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did I just watch? <laughs> As it turns out, I sat there for the entire five minutes crying and didn't, <laughs> and didn't realize it until the credits were the music had stopped playing that I was weeping. The end. So there you go. That's the Curse of La Llorona. Donnie, what's your star rating on this? Star rating's pretty easy on this. Uh, it's uh, I gave it a star and a quarter. It was just too much. It was too much. Just it was messy. Will, what's yours? I think I'm gonna give it a, a star and a half. I mean, there was a lot of promise in this movie. I mean, I, I think it really boils down to the to the script. I mean, you know, like the I think the actors did fine. I think. Uh, the director did some really good things, but I think I think ultimately the script was the downfall. Professor, what do you what do you have to say? I, I, well, I don't remember who it was that said this. I, it was some director, some somebody in the horror realm said, uh, "One of the greatest sins that any horror movie can do, or any movie in general, really, is just to be boring." Right? You could have the worst movie, crappy budget, bad acting, but it could be entertaining as hell. And you could have a movie that has a decent budget behind it well technically made and everything but uh but just boring and that's what this movie is to me it's just uh not even worth a th- definitely not worth a third watch for me I, I watched it the second time around for this like i said i was hoping maybe it would uh maybe i'd like it or appreciate it a little bit more than the first time around but no, i think i actually liked it less <laughs> than the first time around if that was possible so my star rating is a a solid one star on this <laughs> <laughs> it just it, it can't be a chore to sit through it's just, just it's just boring and con- too conventional, I guess, and doesn't definitely doesn't offer anything to the Conjuring universe. Yeah, I think uh, I, I totally agree. I I, I think I'm going to go a star and a half. It made me have a better appreciation for the Nun. I think because I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. There, there, there's a positive side. Yeah, <laughs> and those opening credits, man. How can you? But I mean, like, <laughs> I, I think up to this point, you know, without looking at all of our star ratings and everything, you know, on the, all the other ones that we had done, I think like the Nun was my least favorite of the of the ones that we had done, although it wasn't horrible. It's just, you know, out of those, I think it was, you know, m- maybe that in the first Annabelle or something, right? You know, they're around in the same territory, but yeah, I, I think this is, this is the new low bar as far as these conjuring universe movies are concerned. So I guess, you know, basically on our comments and everything, no one should be surprised <laughs> on our star ratings on this, but yeah. Um, so the, I, I think it's worth, if you like, if you're like that kind of completionist and you like the other Conjuring movies, it's definitely worth watching at least once. You know, just kind of like to to get the whole picture of what's going on here. Although it's a, it's a very loose thread, you know, tied to the other Conjuring movies. There still is a connection. So if you're one of those kind of people that has to watch them all, then you know, go check it out. But I wouldn't recommend setting out to see this just on its own merit. That's that's for sure because like. There's a lot of other movies that are very similar to this that are probably just better stories, frankly, and probably more well done. So, and that's not to completely shit on it. I think you know a lot of it. There were some things that they did well in there, but there's just more that they didn't. So you know, I think that's why we all kind of landed where we did. So that being said, Will, what's the kill count that you came up with for this? Uh, this one's a little odd. I mean, you know, you got you got her drowning one of the boys at the beginning. 
Uh, you see her yank one of the boys out of the way. You know she kills him, but you don't see it on screen. Uh, you got the two kids in the 70s that, that got drowned, but again, you don't see it. Uh, and then she gets uh, blown up, I guess, uh, at the <laughs> at the end, but technically she's already dead. So you could go as high as five. You could do one on screen and four, well, two on screen and three off. But did she die? Because technically she was already dead. I don't, so, I don't think she died. Story, I don't know. Well, I, I don't think she's like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, they could just easily, like, nah, she's a fucking ghost. What'd you think, dummy? And then go make another one, right? So, like, <laughs> I don't think she's really dead. I could see it going either way. Or or they could just say, you know what, like, that was our least successful one. Let's not go down that road again. And then, yeah, she's gone, you know. <laughs> either, I could also I could also see her being, like, one of those, like, throwaway scenes at the beginning of, like, say, Conjuring 3. Yeah. Hey, remember this one from a previous movie here? They they deal with it in three seconds. And yeah. that would have been a better and there, well, better I, take. I was, I was about to say, and there's no connection for them to like have like one of these little relics in their little uh, murder room. You know, the Warrens oh. have their their death room, but I guess that the cross would be kind of the yeah item, the right? cross yeah yeah. Well, and, and past that, I saw like a video where somebody was pointing stuff out, and apparently, like there's a white wedding dress in their room as well. <laughs> that reminds me of that scene when they're up in the attic. And they're like, oh my god, she's here! And then it's just a fucking, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a wedding dress on like a mannequin. <laughs> like who has that just sitting in the damn corner of the attic for Christ's sake? Jesus, come on! On a mannequin, yeah. Th- this is almost as bad as the scene in the first It movie where there's just a room full of clowns, you know, like clown dolls and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on, yeah. man, who has this? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, uh so yeah, uh, that naturally leads into the gore score, Professor. What do you got? I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain thinking, why is this movie was rated R? Because <laughs> it? it is rated R, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's probably because of uh, spiritual violence or whatever the hell towards kids. I would imagine that'd probably be enough, right? And the child drowning at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that, that would and probably it, do it. Yeah, well, it. One thing it definitely didn't get an R rating for was for the gore, because <laughs> I'd probably give this a one on the gore. Because I really can't, other than the arm burning, which isn't really that gory. You know, yeah. I can't think of I mean, it did, she drowned the kids at the beginning, but I mean, that's not, that's messed up, but it's not gory. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I can really, I can only land on a one, and that's I'm really the arm burning. And that, I don't even know if that qualifies as a one, but we we'll have to go with something. Yeah, that and her look, I guess, you know, right? Like, we may not find her look scary, but I'm sure uh, a lot of people would, right? <laughs> and I, I can tell you this much: like, it, it, like I said, it didn't look as good as the nun, right? The look, the whole look of it, and everything. Uh, if that thing came charging at me in the dark in my house, yeah, I'd probably shit myself. So, oh yeah, uh, I'll give you, I'll give her that much. So. <laughs> oh yeah, if any of this stuff was happening to me, I mean, Jesus Christ, I'd be losing my mind. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for our no, 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 no. you sure though you wouldn't be saying no I mean I've seen this is conventional as hell you I've seen at least two or three other instances of you that are much more convincing <laughs> worst ghost ever yeah. <laughs> no wonder you're called the crying woman now you can just go outside my house and cry probably like, cause I was <laughs> now, do I lock you outside? No, no, technically you can get back in, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, so Donnie, what you got for the Six Degrees of Spook show? So uh, you had mentioned uh, uh, earlier Gary Dauberman, you know, writing and uh, um, directing. Uh, um, well, there are actually two more connected producers that, uh, you know, within the Conjuring universe that are also tied within uh, other uh, Spook Show episodes. Both of those are uh, Richard Brenner and Dave, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, I want to say it's Newstater. Uh, Dave Newstater uh, and Richard Brenner are both executive producers for uh, uh, The Curse of La Llorona. Um, they've also done, well, actually, uh, uh, Richard Brenner produced uh, Annabelle. thing is, there's like, they each have, okay, so there's seven previous episodes, but uh, Richard Brenner was on Annabelle, whereas in Newstater wasn't. And then Newstater was on Conjuring, whereas in Richard Brenner wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then you've got It, Conjuring 2, Annabelle Creation, None, uh it Chapter 2, and then The Curse of Lyurona. Yeah, I, I think we've pointed out before, too, in past episodes, that there are a lot of connections to the Conjuring universe, like as far as like uh, people that have been behind the scenes and stuff. Yeah, to, to those it's two, a lot, man. To those two. Especially when you've got like 20, 30 producers. You know, I, I've, I've, I've been doing a, uh, a document to kind of uh, track all this stuff. And there's, uh, I think it's It Chapter 2 has a makeup and uh, special effects department that's probably over 60 people. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. There, there's a lot of your connections right there. But yeah, there's yeah, a lot of connections. A lot. What I was saying is that to that, to the Conjuring stuff and the It, those two It movies, it was a lot of the yep. same people involved. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of a lot of natural connections there for sure. Um, yeah, so this was actually rather easy to kind of connect the dots a little bit. Explain it, not so much. Not, not so yeah. easy to explain. But, uh, <laughs> well, you got there. That's all that matters. Yep. Um, all right, so for our next episode, we're going to be going back to the year 1986, which that, that year is prime for the picking. Like, you know, you can go down the list of uh, great horror movies that came out in 1986, and we could probably just about do, like, uh, uh, all the rest of this year, just covering a lot of the movies from 1986. But... We're going to go back and pick one of my personal favorites from 1986, Chopping Mall. Um, Oh, yeah. The IMDb synopsis for this is a group of young shopping mall employees stay behind for a late-night party in one of the stores. When the mall goes on lockdown before they can get out, the robot security system malfunctions and goes on a killing spree, as robots are wont to do. So... There we go, Chopping Mall on the next episode. Now, as far as the as the recording of this podcast, it is available to watch on uh, Prime Video, you know, Amazon Prime Video. A few other ways, right? I think you guys mentioned, one of you guys had mentioned that it was on, like... Sling, Tubi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, of, course, of course, as always, you can rent it probably just about yeah. anywhere as far as online. You know, it's for purchase on DVD and Blu-ray. I think there's n- numerous versions of that movie that have come out over the years. Make sure to watch that before the next episode, and that... That will be episode 57, which will be out April 26th. So just kind of get ahead of it and go ahead and watch Chopping Mall before that. So do you guys have anything you wanted to talk about you know, or mention about uh, Curse of La Llorona or Chopping Mall before we tap out here? Uh, other than the fact, like I said in the beginning, if, uh, unless you just uh, have to be the complete, I'm sure most people do have to be a completist if they're you know, Conjuring fans, but for the average person out there, check out The Curse of the Crying Woman from 1961. That's a way better movie. Or the Don't movie. even waste your time with 
or the movie that I believe is still on <laughs> Shutter, like I mentioned earlier, La Llorona, which is a once again yeah, yeah different, more modern one, yeah, yeah, yep. different telling, but a far better movie for sure. I would yep. highly recommend that one as well. So, yeah, agreed. All right, I uh, that is it for the Curse of La Llorona, and uh, make sure to listen next time, like I said, for Chopping Mall. So for Donnie and Will and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All American Spook Show podcast, and we will talk to you next time for Chopping Mall. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.